What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 121 of the podcast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Welcome back, Steve. Yeah, it's good to be back, as always, on a very, very sunny day today for both of us. Sunny Sunday, we're both feeling good, we got vaccinated, getting to eat outside for a change. I don't know about you, but I'm vibing. I feel like I'm vibing Mm -hmm. right now. I feel like I can promise it's going to be an excellent episode, uh, because... We have a ton to talk about. Jason Schreier was on the MinMax podcast this week, and there are some uh, updates to the story uh, that we talked about last week about everything going on with Sony. We got some new NPD numbers. We got news that F-Zero maybe isn't dead. Insane. And then, of course, of course, it wouldn't be a podcast this week without our indie world impressions. Nintendo was back with another jam-packed indie showcase and... There's some, there's some, some good looking games in there. There's some good looking games. So, uh, before we get into all that, let me just tell you real quick. Of course, where you can find the podcast, we are Nintendo, Nintendo's weekly Loot Pots podcast. Yes, LootPots.com's weekly gaming and Nintendo podcast, where Steve and I get together and talk about what we're playing, what's going on in the world of Nintendo and gaming, and uh, answer questions from listeners like you. Uh, it is a good time. And if you enjoy it, of course, you should like and share and subscribe and do all of the things so that you get the show when it comes out on Mondays and you're there and you can be a part of it and you can let your friends know. And you just you just get in you get in here and you get in the mix of it with us, you know, and if you really want to do that, of course, come join the discord where we've got a ever growing community of potheads just like you getting in there talking about video games, submitting their questions for the show. It's a great time. So I hope you'll come be a part of the community. Come be a part of this show wherever you choose to consume it. Uh, and of course, if you want to get some more content from us, you head over to twitch.tv slash loot pots where every Thursday, Steve and I are there streaming some video games. Uh, I missed this Thursday stream. Uh, because of a thing going on uh, with a foster cat that you can listen to on our Patreon exclusive show, After Dark, where you can get on patreon.com slash loopots for just a dollar. It's a great show and the best way to show your support. But, Steve, you had a stream with some members of the community. How'd that go? I did. Really well. So we played some Fez, which I'll talk about at the end of the show in the Indie World uh, impressions, and then uh, followed up with some Splatoon 2 with... um, one of the listeners, uh, Zaid. Beautiful. So that was great. Love it. Love it. So if uh, that stuff sounds like it's your bag, if you want to come watch us play games, if you want to come play games with us sometimes, twitch.tv slash loopots. Great way to do so. Um, yeah, no, that's it. That's all I feel like plugging right now. Does that, feel, does that sound good, Steve? Does that sound like a good place to stop? There's one other place. Go to youtube.com slash thepotscast. Of course. And youtube.com slash loopots. But we've got a vanity URL now, so youtube.com slash potscast. Come give us a sub. See all the episodes of of this show and our pretty faces if you don't see them usually. Can come see our beautiful, shining, smiling faces (laughs) and get a video version of After Dark, which is also pretty good. So go check that stuff out. It's a good time. So that's enough shilling for this week. Uh, Let's pop into what we're playing I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like in a, I don't want to say I'm in a rut right now. I'm playing a lot of games, but I'm just playing a lot of the same games. So I don't have like a lot of new things to say. It's, mm-hmm. I'm still chipping away at Disco Elysium. I love it. I still can't believe how deep it is and that like I played so much of it and I'm only like two, three days in. 
in the in-game time, so which is only like halfway through, I think. So wow. I'm still very sad that that didn't get a date announced this week. I was hoping for it, but yeah, um, I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for probably the, the Switch version, but maybe my Xbox version. I can't decide where I want to play that game. I feel like it'll be better on Xbox, probably. I don't know. Most likely, it, but you know, handheld, it feels good. It's a game that I feel like would be at home on Switch, but I feel like I'm worried about performance issues because it doesn't have performance issues on PlayStation like a ton, but like it's it does have some edges that are a little rough. So like I wonder how that would be on on the Switch, but I could also see the touchscreen being really good if they actually enabled that because it mm-hmm. is a point and click. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great game. It, it's something that I'm I'm definitely still really enjoying i zade hooked me up with the the steam version and i really want to start streaming it um regularly by myself because i don't want to spoil it for you but i would love to like roll another character that's like way different than mine and kind of like figure out more of the branching paths and some of the you know because like i'm already seeing things come up where i'm like i can't progress this anymore without like doing something that feels out of character for the character I'm role playing, or with skills that I don't have. Um, right. Okay. So, whereas me, I was you know when I was playing with you, I was just some crazy lunatic. Well, and that's what I want to do. Like my for my second character, I want to like basically uh, role play like a a crazy, really strong drug addict who's like a nut job, you know, and like just take all the drugs, do as many fucked up things as I can, like, just push the limits of the system, you know? Mix stains of alcohol on the side. Yeah. Oh, bizarre. You know, run, take drugs from a teenager and then do them in front of him, you know, all kinds of fucked up things. <laughs> just why it got banned in Australia. Yeah, man. Well, you know? I, I So, yeah, I, uh, it's a game I... I'm in a weird spot with it because I, I'm loving what I'm doing and I, I also feel like I'm getting ready to be done with it in terms of like I like wanted to do a second character and role and playing on stream or whatever that like totally works for me. But I've also been getting in like kind of a mode where I'm like, ah, like I love the game and I love the story, but I also want something that's like a little bit more gameplay oriented. So like I've been bouncing between it and like Pac-Man 99 or like um, a little bit of Grindstone. I have been jumping in and out of Ghost still because it's just like when I'm in the mood for Disco, it's exactly the fucking game I want and I fucking love it. But like I, I had a day the other day where like it was a really long day at work and I was really tired and I it was after I'd gotten my, my COVID shot and stuff and I wanted to play a game, but I was like, I don't want to play disco because I'm I'm too tired to like pay attention to the story right now. You know, that's the main reason I fell off of Persona Five was mm. it was like I don't want to go home and read tonight, mm. which essentially was what I was doing with Persona Five because there was like huge swathes of story and just reading with very little like dialogue, and and I can totally relate to that. It's just like. You don't want to give that mental capacity. You want to go home something that's super easy. And I can understand why Pac-Man 99 is on, on your list because everyone knows how to play Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's also like there's no – there's really no stakes, right? Like the whole point of playing – of Pac-Man is like it's just fun. Like it's like if I lose, I lose and you play again. Okay. You know? Whereas like with this – It's not like your character is going to die and you've got to go back to like a save point. Right. And then you're like, oh, don't want to do that bit again. 
Yeah, so I, I think um, not literally none of those things are a criticism of anything that Disco Elysium is doing. I fucking love it. Like, it's truly one of my, like, game of the year contenders right now. I think it's a it's a incredible uh, example of its genre. It's just the, uh, it's, I think it's that that kind of game is a game I gotta be in the mood for. So if I'm not in the mood for it, I want to play something else. And not having that other thing that is like pulling me towards it right now is kind of frustrating. You know, like I, I am in that kind of like, ah, I feel like I want something new, but I'm also really engaged with the stuff I'm currently playing. So it's like, I don't want something new because I'm afraid it'll pull me away. I don't know. It's weird. I'm in a weird spot, but like Pokemon, new Pokemon Snap comes out this week and I feel like that's going to be a perfect slump buster for me because it's like a super low stakes digestible kind of experience that like if I don't feel like playing Disco, I feel like that might be a perfect thing. But we'll I'm see. interested to hear your impressions on Pokemon Snap because I've decided not to get it a launch um, just because I'm enjoying what I'm playing at the moment mm -hmm. and I'm really actually looking forward to playing Mass Effect and I don't want to be pulled away from that. So of the two games, either Pokemon Snap or Mass Effect, I've chosen Mass Effect, which I think was the right decision. You've chosen wisely. Uh, <laughs> I am so excited for that. Uh, that's another problem, I think, is that Mass Effect, like, being so imminent doesn't help because it's really all I want to play. Like, yeah, it, you don't want to get into something big when you've got three blockbuster games coming up. That I like, I really want to play in a row, no less. Mm -hmm. Like, I apologize in advance. All I'm going to talk about for like three months is Mass Effect. Um, and it, and and I'll, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not going to be like I am with Disco, where I'm like, yeah, I'm still playing it, and I like, I'm going to be like, you're going to be gushing. I'm, I'm in the middle of Mass Effect <laughs> One, and then here's what's happening right now, and oh, now I'm playing Mass Effect Two, and I just did this. <laughs> Maybe that needs to become like separate game club episodes, and we can we can have a discussion because I don't want the podcast to become the Mass Effect podcast. The Mass Cast. Uh, well, if we're <laughs> gonna do that, you have to actually play it though. Like we'd have to be playing it together at the same. I'm planning on playing it, but you're gonna play it to completion. I'll commit to at least one of the first one, and we'll see how I go from that. And if I like the first one, okay. All right. That's fair, right? It is fair. I'm just worried because Mass Effect is everyone says the worst. That's one, the yeah. worst one, but they're changing it a lot. So I'm like, okay, maybe that. Here's what here's what I'll say: finish the first one and start the second one. Okay. Can you agree to that? All right, I'll commit to that. That's okay. fine. All right. Okay. We can work with that. We can work with that. So, but how are you getting on with Batman anyway? Like, have you got a number one yet? I have not. I have not got. I, I know, and I know you sweet. did. I saw you did. Congratulations! Uh, like the feeling when you get it, and I was like, "What's happened? Is it like glitched out? Like it suddenly stopped, and and then it like went to that pack one screen." I was like, "Fucking yes!" That's awesome. <laughs> I think the highest I've gotten is still four. I don't think I've gotten higher than the top four, and I got to the top four and died. So I. Oh, rough! It's horrible. It's fucking good, you, uh, uh, The worst is when you're getting slowed down by those white Pac-Man and the red Pac-Man, because you can't get rid of them. I like the ghosts. And, like, one of those gets you, and, unless you eat the fruit, and you're like, oh, no. It's horrible. Do they go away if you do a natural clear? 
Uh, no, you have to eat the fruit to get rid of the... That is bullshit. Of the red Pac-Man. Yeah. I try to, like, go and get the fruit before they even move. Of just, like, mm-hmm. once they spawn, like, nope. Like, go away. Clear yeah. them. Clear the board. <laughs> Fuck these motherfuckers. Like, and you can't really do a natural clear if they're sat on top of, like, pack dots. Yeah. Until they move, because they're, like, in the way. So like, there's no way you can get your speed up when they're around. So I do the same as you. I clear them out. I'm like, go away. Don't want you on, don't want you on my board. It's great, though. Great game. Um, I, I've really been enjoying it. Like, it's it's become my... it Like, kind of... Uh, I'm almost disappointed that it usurped Grindstone as my, like, uh, TV game lately. I'm just like, I gotta... Just one it's more, definitely my TV game. One more round, yeah. one more round. And, and the coolest was like, are you watching this? Like, how, how can you be watching this and playing Batman at the same time? I'm like... I'm not really watching this. I'm like listening to this because I know what happens. It's friends. We've seen friends a million times. Right. Like this is actually McCullough's first watch through of friends. So oh. so it's, it's a little bit very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, funny. Like, I've seen friends. <laughs> I uh I gotta I gotta pick it back up because I, I started rewatching it kind of on a whim before it left Netflix and Sarah and I Sarah had never seen it either. And uh I remember she kind of came home. I had watched maybe the first two episodes. And she was kind of like, you're watching Friends? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I like Friends. And we, like, she sat down and got into it with me. And then we, like, just stopped at the end of, like, it's the the season with the wedding with Emily. Like, we watched that that episode. We watched that episode, though. And, like, that's, like, the end of the season. It's, like, a big cliffhanger. And then it was kind of like, all right, cool. And then we just stopped for no reason. But it just, we got on something else. And so as far as she knows, that's where it ends. So I think I'm on, I'm on the season after that because it's where, you know, Monica and Chandler are together because they got together at the wedding sure, for sure. the first time and they're, like, still in secret. So, like I said, on After Dark, the, I've just finished the episode with Ross with his leather, leather pants. <laughs> Classic. Uh, so you've also been playing Fez, which we said we'll talk about later, so mm-hmm. we can we can pin that for now. But then uh, you've got two other things on your list that are a little bit different than that. Yeah, so I've been reading Ask Awata this week. So um, the physical version, I pre-order got delayed, but I wanted to read it anyway, so the the Kindle version's out. So I've been reading through this. Um, I've got through the first chapter so far, which is super interesting. And I made a few notes, like um, how he got into programming. Um, You know, he said he played around and he managed to create a game and he sent it to a Hewlett-Packard uh, distributor in Japan, so he made a game for like a calculator, uh, and they were absolutely baffled. And he said they must have been like, "Whoa, what's this high school whiz doing up in Sapporo?" Speaking from experience, this would be like if some high schooler sent Nintendo a totally finished game we could put on the shelves tomorrow. And, like he just sent it to them, um, just because he was like playing around. And then he he like progressed, and he couldn't afford a, a computer himself, so he went to like um, a computer shop, and he was messing around, and. Um, he said that we also befriended, befriended the manager who wound up starting his own company when I was in my third year of college. That company was Hal Labs. So that he got his job wow. just by like messing around in this guy's computer shop. That's funny. Um, and then he like talks about how he got essentially forced into the president position at Hal. Yeah, and I did know that. Bro- Broadly speaking, the company was going under. On my first day as president, we have 1.5 billion yen of debt. And I spent my first month as president interviewing everybody at the company. The discoveries were endless. And he did that 
continuously for two years he would interview people twice a year just to, to hear what they had to say um, and he said the more frustrated someone is the more important it becomes to listen to them unless you make a point of this anything you try to say goes in one ear and out the other if you interrupt them mid-sentence and say well actually it's more like this it's only natural for them to think this person has absolutely no clue what i'm saying if you let people tell you what they want to say and then wait for them to finish they'll give you a chance to weigh in afterwards I believe that whether people decide to accept what they are told or not is entirely based on whether they think you're only saying this to benefit yourself or you're saying this because deep down you believe it. And man, this man is like so smart. Yeah, it's, dude. It's crazy the amount of uh, the, the amount of like anecdotes and like business information you can get from him. There's there's no like denying that he was a very successful and, and very very intelligent person he was a visionary absolutely mm -hmm. yeah i uh i i got the book too i haven't um i haven't read it yet i read uh i've read excerpts from it already like that were pre-released and everything which is why i bought it um because it seemed like it was going to be a great read and um I, I i was talking about him with with sarah the other day when the book showed up because um she had a few questions about him like she was familiar with him by like name and face but not didn't know some of those anecdotes and stuff and um yeah man he just really seemed like he was a pretty remarkable person you know um and such a nice person as yeah. well like he didn't get to where he he got to in his career by screwing over the little guy he seemingly wanted to go towards the vision of the company and, and what they stood for, which in, in the book he said was um, to make our customers happy and to make our employees happy. And that's what Hal Labs sought to do. And yeah. I think he took that all the way through to, oh, yeah. to the end. Absolutely, man. And I, and I you know, I, I have an immense amount of respect for Awada, not only as, um, you know, as a programmer and, you know, there are no shortage of, of awesome stories about times when he rolled his sleeves up and, you know, made a game come together at the fucking 11th hour or like, you know, uh, if you are a fan of Pokemon and you like that, you got to go to the Kanto region again in, in gold and silver. You have a lot of to thank for that and a weekend of programming because he was a fucking genius. Um, and so few people who become presidents and leaders in video game companies were programmers or were developers were very real. rarely like it doesn't usually go hand in hand business and and developer really doesn't well you think about it right because most like if you're a developer you want to make art you want to make games you want to run a company and mm -hmm. you know he was the rare type that could do both um and like you said i i think the the legacy that he left behind was like one of of a person that genuinely seemed to care about other people you know, there was like that famously in uh, 2013 when, when Nintendo had um, their least profitable year of like dec in decades. Um, he didn't take a bonus and cut his own salary so that they wouldn't have to fire yeah. anybody. Um, you would never see you would never see a president of a fucking. Can you imagine like, you know, the Activision CEO? <laughs> no, never. no. And like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't, you know, it just wouldn't happen. Um, I don't even know if the president of Nintendo today would do that, you know, like, and and that's, uh, that just speaks, I think, to like his character, you know, and, and that is like the, the overwhelming, um, opinion that I've seen offered about the guy was just that he was, uh, 
a really special person and that like you know it seems to be that if you were lucky enough to work with him or call him a friend that um yeah he was a really uh, a fascinating and enriching person to be around um some of the personal anecdotes from um Miyamoto and then uh Itoy the creator of um of of Earthbound and, and Mother uh it, they were I, I those I read some of those excerpts like pre-release and like I was getting like a little misty, you know, just like, ah, you can tell that there's like a real, like, they clearly really miss the guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's a fantastic book. I can't wait to read more. I'd love to do if, as you've got the book, I'd love to do like a, a proper book club yeah, with I would you love and to we can that. like read through and, and discuss it in some, some detail. Uh, so definitely take notes and like excerpts, put like, you know, little stickies in where you, where you want to. Uh, touch on certain subjects because that was like one chapter and just out of that um you can find so much knowledge yeah absolutely i'm I'm very much looking forward to digging into it um i've got a lot of good a lot of good video game books to read uh these days um so yeah check it out ask iwata we'll uh we'll have more coverage on it in the the weeks to come i'm sure uh and then you also had mythic quest uh listed here which is the apple tv original with uh rob yeah. mcgallery i think is his name from i uh, can't pronounce his name but i think yeah. it's mcgallery yeah from um from it's always sunny uh mac so yeah so i think i spoke about either on the main show or after dark i think it was after dark you were talking about how you really liked the first season and then they kind of did like a special right was the thing so i was like halfway through i think it was like three episodes into season one i've binge watched all of season one now and they've done like a couple of special episodes so uh the finale of season one um happened like as, as they were recording uh covid hit Oof. and so the whole episode is is on someone's like screen and they're like all in zoom calls and like showing how um how they've had to like adapt during covid and there's like this really great moment where um, the lead developer's just like really struggling and she's like refuses to put her camera on and stuff and just like can't, uh, isn't coping, working at home on her own and not seeing anyone. And so like the CEO goes around and like the camera's just on and you can like see the doorway and like she's just like crying and like hugging and stuff. It was so, such a great moment. And then they've just this week on Friday released um, like a special episode ahead of season two which comes out in two weeks time which was about this uh larping like uh event that they put on every week at the studio yeah and oh my god it was so fun it was so funny uh you will love this show i really do think you will especially as ashley birch takes on such a huge role yeah i was gonna say she's show. one of the main characters right she is yeah so she's a she's the essentially the main qa tester in the game um and it's so interesting uh she's <laughs> they, they like planner is this like really annoying person in the laughing thing uh it's it's great it's a really great show um and, and i would I love encourage to see anyone... her act like i've never oh she's a great actor fantastic actor like i haven't seen her in anything since um you know like hey ash what you play what you playing you know her old youtube channel and stuff um so like obviously that would be really cool to get to see her do some live action work. Yeah, she's she's really, really great. Um I didn't even clock it was her really in the beginning. I was and, and I, I asked you about it. You were like I you were like, Oh, I don't 
is she in it? And I was like, yeah, isn't she one of the main characters? Yeah, I totally didn't clock it was her. Um, and so I went and like I had a look, and I was like, oh yeah, shit, yeah, she is. Um, but she looks she looks very different early in the series versus later in the series. Her hair changes quite a lot. Um, I think she, in real life she's just like given up dyeing it now, and she's like embraced the gray, and it really suits her. She looks fantastic. Um, but she plays such a a strong character in that show. Awesome. Uh, and she's like sort of in this like. Uh, queer love story sort of that's like kind of blossoming and blooming okay. which is really nice to see cool. uh great show i encourage anyone with apple tv plus to, to check it out i really want to watch it but i don't have apple tv like i have to figure this out um yeah either way i'm i'm very interested in it uh and and you you like saying such high praise of it and also like zeroing in that you think I'll like it has me thinking like I should I should really probably check it out um but we have a lot more to get to and I know you've got a hard out so we're, we're gonna jump into the news um and we'll I'm sure we'll talk about all of those things uh in the, the weeks to come um but yeah so let's kick things off with the uh the Jason Trier story so uh, yeah. Jason this past week um I mean this kind of happened around the release of the article as well but Jason kind of expressed that, um, you know, there was a lot more to the story than what were people were kind of like zeroing in on, which was like the Last of Us remake and like, what's the point of that and blah, blah, blah. Um, so Jason tweeted, I joined the lovely folks at MinMax to talk about my recent PlayStation article, how folks have taken it out of proportion, how it doesn't mean that Sony is abandoning indies or new ideas and why a Last of Us remake actually makes sense for Naughty Dog. Uh, so both of us got a chance to listen to, to Jason's, uh, appearance. I didn't get to finish the episode. I was checking it out before we hopped on here and I got through most of, of Jason's part of the show. Um, so Steve, you'll have to fill in whatever gaps, uh, exist for me. But, um, the thing that I thought was most interesting about it and not something that, that I had considered when we were discussing it last week was, uh, Jason's bit about why it actually made sense that Naughty Dog was working on The Last of Us. Um, because... And it's one of those things that it speaks to how much people who talk about video games know shit about video games. Mm. Um, <laughs> because we were talking about it, and you know, I, I I made the argument like, well, there's a clear financial imperative to doing this. Like, you can work in all the gameplay systems they develop for, uh, for two. You can get in all of the quality of life and like the accessibility changes and all those things. Like, those are all reasons to remake the game. We also spoke about the exact thing that that Jason highlighted was that the idea was that they were going to do a complete story re-release for PS5 right. and potentially rename the original Part One and have Part Two, and it goes Part One and Two from the same engine in one package. Yeah, and like you know that that would be a bestseller. Like there, there's a clear financial imperative to do that, right? And and that was my argument was like, yeah, I get everybody wanting a new Naughty Dog game, and I want a new one too, but. This makes sense. Of course they're doing that. Um, but the thing that Jason pointed out that I hadn't even considered uh, is that in his book, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, he talked about the development of Uncharted 4. And one of the things that came up in that chapter was how uh, Naughty Dog kind of has like a dual studio system where they have two teams. Mm -hmm. And the, the kind of the, the goal is that while Team 1 is working on Uncharted 4, Team 2 is starting work on The Last of Us Part 2. And while The Last of Us part, that when that shifts over to being the main thing that we're focusing on, we start work on the next game. 
and um, that's worked to varying degrees for them. And one of the things that J- like Sam's like from Jason, like on the podcast, it hasn't really worked, and they call it feeding the beast, and that essentially they have like um, people sat around. So I, I've got some direct quotes from the perfect, perfect. the thing. So um, Ben Hansen, the the host, brought up the essentially what seemed to be the main consensus from everyone commenting on the article which was why why are they putting naughty dog on we don't need this it's a waste waste of their talent and jason's reaction was like well what else are they gonna do right now that was his like gut reaction it was like look at it this way you've just finished the last of us 2 neil Druckmann and a bunch of others go off into a room somewhere and figure out what we're gonna do next but you still have a bunch of people sat around not doing very much at one point they were thinking about doing dlc and i don't think that's gonna happen um, so this is an elegant solution. You put them on the Last of Us remake. You get them used to working on the PS5, which they hadn't done, hadn't worked on before. And then let's make this happen. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these developers sat around. Some people potentially were working on a DLC that may have been cancelled that may still happen. They also put out they're working, working on the, on the multiplayer, the multiplayer thing. thing. Yeah, but then you've still got a bunch of people who aren't really doing much. And so to to port all of this to the PS5. It makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, but this started as still as that visual arts group or whatever it was called, that support studio. UAF or whatever, yeah. And and Naughty Dog has now taken it over, but that was always a support studio, and it made sense in Jason's eyes that the Naughty Dog would be overseeing it because you know they had to tell the, the team how to work on this new engine that they developed for The Last of Us 2 and things like that. Um, but... And- the, the other the problem other thing. he had, well, I was just wanted to say the other problem he had pointed out was that um, this team, right? Like, as we had discussed last week, was a small team that was basically a support studio. They were trying to get their own thing off the ground, and this was their project. But then when Last of Us Part 2's development ends, and all of these Naughty Dog vets who worked on Last of Us come in to start working on this game, it seems like they kind of took over. Um, yes. which a makes sense, right? Like it's their IP, it's their original game. They probably have some sense of ownership over it. But also, the thing that Jason pointed out that wasn't in the Bloomberg article is that like they're they're they like double the number of people or more, right? Because Naughty Dog's a huge studio, and this is a tiny team that all of a sudden has their project kind of taken away from them. And I could see why that team has now essentially disbanded and felt burnt by it because it yeah. was their idea, their concept. They pitched it to Sony who greenlit it um, and they struggled with like uh, getting something fresh off the ground because Sony seems to be risk averse, which is what Jason said in the article. And so they felt if we go with a remake, maybe they'll give us permission, we'll get some more funding, we'll be able to expand our team and actually start having our own studio. Yeah. And, like, get the a name, is, right? Like, be like, yeah, oh. Yeah, actually get a name rather than just be this group yeah. <laughs> within the, the Sony, uh, like, you know, group of, of studios. Cause they're, they're, they're not a studio. Yeah, because they're a team that literally, know, like, unless you follow game development, like, no one knows who they are. Because, like, they yeah. work on everything, but they don't have a name. They don't have... Yeah, they've, what, they've according to Jason, they've basically worked on every first-party Sony title for the last decade. For, like, yeah, basically any crazy. game that you've played on the PS4... They contributed to at some capacity. Yeah, and then the other thing was the the thing with Bend, um, which was for me slightly more 
uh, of an issue because I think Bend is a, a very talented studio. Yeah. And Jason said he confirmed that Days Gone was profitable, mm-hmm. and and most of the like first Sony games they see as you know Uncharted was weak, but there's a lot of potential. Uncharted Two was great and was seen as great. The Last of Us, you know, potentially didn't sell as much as they would have liked, but The Last of Us Two was a smash hit. Sold absolutely. Well, and The Last of Us was also like a fucking critical darling, right? Where like that has cachet even if it doesn't sell as well. Whereas like Days Gone was profitable, but it didn't have a good cultural Mm -hmm. response. I mean, gamers liked it, but the press and everything really didn't respond to it. So they they were surprised because um, they kind of thought we're going to get a Days Gone too because you know we were profitable. We got like a mid level like seven out of ten. We could potentially improve upon this and make something really good. There was rumor there was going to be like a whole co-op thing that you could do, but that got cancelled um, and didn't go ahead. So Bend then pitched a brand new Uncharted game. It was a spin-off game that had the oversight of Naughty Dog. Um, but Naughty Dog apparently ended up taking too much creative control and essentially took the game over from from Bend, which they then requested to be taken off because they were worried about becoming right, we, Naughty Dog North. We talked about that last week. And that right? was and that was like the the rumor going around the studio, oh, we're going to be Naughty Dog North, the main studio is going to be Naughty Dog South, we're just going to become a support studio, we're not going to be able to work on our own IPs anymore, everything's going to be led by Neil Druckmann and the creative team down there, and we don't want that, we want our own fresh stuff. So... Um, Jason said it seems like good news because they have been taken off of that Uncharted game so it seems like Naughty Dog currently are working on an Uncharted spin-off and an Uncharted uh, and The Last of Us remake Yeah, which is kind of exciting I'm, I'm interested in a new Uncharted game I would still like to see something brand new from them um, and it's, it's a shame that they couldn't be hands off and let Bend to, uh, just take it because they've already made a um, an Uncharted game. They've made an right. Uncharted Golden Abyss, which was a great game. Yeah, I I agree. I would kind of like to see Naughty Dog. Like I don't know. I it's not that I don't want more Uncharted, and it's not even that I don't want more Uncharted from Naughty Dog. But it's like I am more interested by the idea of like the team at Naughty Dog going away for a while and coming back with something new. Um, because I love Uncharted and I love The Last of Us, but like I played those. I've done that. And the idea of Ben working on a new Uncharted feels like best of both worlds. Like, cool, let them get a hit under their belt, solidify and it themselves. Been with potentially new characters, so it's not yeah. like they they're taking Nate or they're taking Chloe or whoever. Yeah, it's a spinoff, and that would be fine so it's within that universe, right? And, and you know, and I don't know. I, I feel like we're probably going to end up getting what we want anyway. Like, the team is going to work on like you know this. Last of Us remake, Uncharted will probably come after that, and then we'll probably get a new IP from them after that, you know, which is fine. But, like, it is one of those things where, like, you only get so many Naughty Dog games ever, right? You only get so many games from this, this, these creators, this team, whatever. Like, that's, that's how game design works. That's how art works. You only get so many projects. Um, so, like, to be going back to the same well is kind of disappointing because especially, like, I feel like if they were going to go back... I feel like I'd rather them do like a Jack and Daxter because that would be like so different. It'd be like, what would like that, that look like? Like, is totally gone now, though, right? That was the previous president. That's yeah, and no all history, no doubt. But even so, I think I'd be more interested in the current team looking back at a Jack and Daxter and being like, how do we do that now 
versus like oh so uncharted again because it's like when you think about I it i would like that but but neil Druckmann isn't that person he's no. the i've got to be the edgy with the hbo of video yeah. games this is who we are we've got to like push the boundaries all the time but maybe you do that with uh, an, an animated comedy realm you know i'm just saying who's to say i i get what you're saying like i i agree with you like what i really want is new games right but like if you're gonna go back go back to something i haven't seen in a long time not like, you, you think about Uncharted, right? Like, I would be way more excited about an Uncharted, like, quote-unquote, comeback at the end of this generation or, like, five, six years from now. Because right now, right, and especially for me, somebody who didn't play Uncharted uh, when they were coming out, like, I played the Nathan Drake collection when it came out on PS4, Uncharted 4, like, a year or so later, you have Lost Legacy. So, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's been, like, three years since I've played Uncharted, you know, like, that's the de- that's the development cycle of a video game. Like, granted, this new Uncharted that is you know uh, allegedly in the works is probably years away. But I just I don't know. I feel I like... think that one's probably closer than the last one's remake. At this you think? Point, Maybe. I don't know. Either way, I'm excited, but I also do kind of want to see them just move on. That's that's where I'm at with it, and that's why I think I had that same reaction as everyone else, which was like, why? Why do we need the Last of Us remake? Because I feel like I've just finished The Last of Us. You know, it was last year. I don't need to play that game again. You can play the original Last of Us on the PS5 if you really want to. Uh, so it's not like those games aren't there and, and it's impossible for you to play them. But jason's rebuttal of well they've got nothing else to do so why not and it's a good way for them to get familiar with the tech speed with the ps5 that's, a that's great exactly point. what they did with the last of us remaster when they brought it from ps3 to ps4 it it gives them that crack to then go right let's take this information and put it into the next thing that comes from the creative team from neil Druckmann and everyone else that went away into that room with all the post-it notes and came out and was just like right this is what we're making next uh jason also made the point of like there's probably a pretty good um chance that the people who have been crunching on the last of us part two for four years are like probably pretty open to the idea of doing like a yeah, low effort. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And like, cause, because uh, it was it was Leo Vader who said like, I, you know, does anyone else really, you know, if you've been working there and you've been, um, been working on it for four years, do you really want to play work on The Last of Us even more? If you've just worked on the original Last of Us and then the sequel to The Last of Us and now you're going back to the original Last of Us. And Jason said, well, you know, you, you get a break. There's going to be some crunch, but it's going to be nowhere near as much as making an original game. Yeah, it's like two years of like, yeah, right. It's like two years of ideally a much lighter work schedule. What? So that that's nice. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I know Naughty Dog is is very well known for the levels of crunch they put their staff through. So yeah, if they can get a bit of a break, then and we do get a new game as well as a remake, then fine. Agreed. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, we got some more uh, information um, from MPD. We got uh, MPD figures have, have dropped uh, courtesy of Matt Piscatella over on Twitter. Thank you, Matt. Um, tons of, of interesting callouts in the MPD data, like, all the time, you know, but um, you pulled out some ones that, that I thought were pretty good. Uh, the first being that the PlayStation 5 is the fastest-selling console in U.S. history in both unit and dollar sales. 
um, which means lifetime sales with five months on the market. So huge. Not um, I bet it would have been even more if they could have made some more. I was going to say huge, but not totally surprising considering that you literally cannot find one of these fucking things. And the last time that I remember a console being this scarce, it was the Wii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because even the Switch, right? When the Switch first came out, it was hard to come by. And like you had trouble finding it last year. It goes through periods like that. But it would also be one of those things where it would be like, I'm trying to find a Switch. I can't find a Switch. And then, like, the next week, it's like, oh, there's fucking 40 of them at a Walmart. Quick, go get one. You know, like, you'd fucking still find one in the wild every once in a while. Like, I remember on, like, I was on, like, the Nintendo subreddit all the time, like, looking for my friends or whatever. And it would be like, oh, like, here in New Jersey, there's 50 of them in this Target. Go quick. Before, you know, and, like, you could, there was that conversation about finding one, but you could find one, you know? Whereas, mm-hmm. like, if you're looking, I know people that are still trying to get a PS5 and just no luck, you know? Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a crappy situation, really. But apparently, Sony's making a hell of a, a lot of money from it. Yeah. Um, well, it's, uh, and I, I, I'm, it's interesting. I would love to know where the Xbox rank, but I don't think the figures are released by Microsoft for that. Yeah, Microsoft generally doesn't uh, release figures on this type of thing because if you're losing, you don't brag about it. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, and then the the other thing that I was interested, it was interesting to me that the Switch was the best selling hardware platform in March, well, where every, every other month was the PS5. I love the fact that Mario Kart 8 is still the best-selling racing game. It's great. Every single year. It's like, we're never getting a Mario Kart 9 <laughs> at this point. It's it's never, ever going to happen. Next year, man. Like, no. or, I'm sorry, not next year. Uh, next generation is what I meant to say. Yeah, next generation is the only time. We were talk- discussing it in the Discord, um, and, and Doc said, like, well, I don't feel like I need another Mario Kart. I need some innovation before uh, um, I'm go and buy another Mario Kart. And I was like, Mario Kart 99. That's what I want. Don't do Mario Kart 9. Just oh go my straight God. to Mario Kart 99. A Battle Royale Mario That's Kart. That's fucking brilliant, man. <laughs> I love that. Um, this I thought was interesting, too. Uh, March video game hardware dollar sales were 47% higher than a year ago. Uh, which wow. is a, a record for March. at. Um, it says, at a March record, $680 million, Which is insane. Um, the previous high was five hundred and fifty-two million, which was set in March two thousand and eight. So, uh, and then it says here, year-to-date hardware spending totaled one point four billion dollars, which is an increase of eighty-one percent compared to last year. That's fucking that's huge. Is the new Yeah, of course, it? of course it is. But that's still a massive amount of of people buying hardware, which. It makes sense. It's a new generation. Everybody's stuck at home. You were probably playing more video games than you were before in 2020. So new hardware comes out, and you're like, I'll treat myself. What else am I spending it on, Mm. right? I bought both of them for that exact reason. Um, But still, like, it's just one of those things where you see the hard numbers, and you're just like, holy shit. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. It really is. Um, But yeah, I, uh... I love to see it. I love to see year over year games getting bigger and and reaching newer new audiences and and more people like getting in uh, at the ground floor. You know, 
So uh, <laughs> exciting times, exciting times for sure. <clears throat> so then we also had a pretty interesting little bit of uh, of news come out this week where um, the uh, ex-Nintendo designer, Takia, uh, Takia, Takia is how I would say it. Yeah, Takia Imamura um, had an interview with IGN where uh, he was kind of talking about, you know, his career at Nintendo and, um, you know, like he was he was there for 30 years. So it's like, you know, it, it, there's a lot of really cool bits here and it's it's you know definitely um there's a lot more to it than than just the f-zero news of it all mm-hmm. um but that was kind of the thing that everybody clung to obviously um with the fact that he said that he he doesn't think that it's dead but that it needs quote a grand idea to get a new game which i thought was interesting right it's it's less that there's this in, this uh impossibility and more that like it feels like maybe Nintendo's waiting for the right pitch. And I think that makes sense. Like it really feels like Mario Kart took over that role, especially with the F Zero maps on there, the two hundred TC going so fast. Like, yeah, what else was there in F Zero to? It, you went fast and you had cool looking cars. That was basically it, right? And I don't know what you would do to make it fresh at this point. Yeah, because, I mean, what was special about F-Zero at the time, right, was, like, it was the auto-scrolling backgrounds. It was having that, like, arcade-style racer at home, you know? And, like, that that just isn't a thing anymore. And I don't know. It's, uh, I think I think that makes a lot of sense, right? That, like, it, the, what does that even look like? What does a $60 F-Zero game look like in 2021, you know? We haven't had a game like that since um, since the one on the GameCube. Yeah, and I, I don't know how, how you sell that to people. It's like, well, do I buy Mario Kart? What's does this give me over Mario Kart? Like, I, I don't know why you would pick it. No, and I think that's the problem, is, like, why even try, right? Because, like, you're, you're potentially just cannibalizing... Well... Yeah, both cannibalizing and you're spending so much development money when Mario Kart is already the the number one racing game every single year. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, do we need two? Probably not, you know? Uh, but I did think it was interesting. Obviously, people really, really clung to it. Um, and mm. and I, I really, I racked my brain this whole week trying to think of a unique value prop. So that I could have an idea, so I could be like, "Oh, like what could we do? like? What could F Zero do?" And I honestly couldn't think of one. Um, I wanted this to be a bigger segment, and I'm just like, I was at a loss because I don't think that there is an elegant solution that isn't like doing a budget title. You know, like oh, it's twenty dollars. It's old school. It's retro. Yeah, and you get like an indie dev to do it, and you put the Nintendo badge on it and then you, you put it out yeah you know you may bring on the fast rmx team to do it sure sure um i think that could work but it's it's tough you know like i, I think that's literally what uh what uh what that's like the quote right he's like he's like ah oh, it's like it, it's tough like it's tough to bring it back because it, it just feels like it doesn't have a, a a space right now um but I do think uh, highly recommend checking out the full interview. Super interesting. 
Um, it goes through like a lot of really cool stuff, like about like Star Fox sixty four and Majora's Mask and Link to the Past, and like um, he apparently created Tingle. So like, there's a lot of like cool little tidbits and and great great little anecdotes if you're um you know if you're if you're a Nintendo fan um like we are. So if if you're if you're the type that likes to you know if you if your detectors were going off when we were talking about the Owada book. You want to read this interview. It's it's, it's a good one. Um, but yeah, so uh, F-Zero, not dead, just sleeping. So, uh, you know, maybe if you guys want to be the next Awada, come up with your perfect completed pitch for F-Zero. Just make the game and send it to Nintendo and say put this on the shelf. And apparently that'll work out for you. Uh, <laughs> so this last one, um, <laughs> this last one. Is uh, I you're gonna have to explain it to me because I haven't seen this story, <laughs> and all it says in our show notes is Nintendo is suing Bowser. So, mm-hmm. what they they fired Doug Bowser? What happened? <laughs> Not quite. So uh, Nintendo filed a lawsuit on Friday against someone called Gary Bowser, who is they the suing Doug's l- brother? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> who is the leader of um, the hacking team, Team Executor. Uh, who has been selling devices and, and hacks to essentially circumvent uh, Nintendo's protection and allow you to pirate games from the eShop. Um, so he he was arrested last year already under a federal uh, case, and I think he's awaiting trial for that. Nintendo's now bringing a civil case against him. Um, he apparently ran this, according to Nintendo, international pirate ring, made devices and hacking tools it's so funny that they describe it as that because it's like <laughs> it's that's probably literally true like in a legal definition but that sounds so much tougher than like oh yeah, yeah. i fucking sell 3ds hack kits like <laughs> yeah so that's that he started on the 3ds moved on to the um nintendo switch the sx pro sx core all of that stuff um and nintendo is is going for the jugular they're seeking for $150,000 for each copyright violation, which is every single device that was created, which Yikes. breaks that. And then on top of that, they want $2,500 for every device that he has ever made and sold. Um, and presumably that's thousands at this point. So They're trying to fucking end this man's whole career. <laughs> just put him just like you're going to be in debt until the day you're dead, Bowser. I'm, I'm presumably in prison because he's waiting for that federal case as well. So he's not going to have a, a good time ahead of him. But it's oh, obviously everyone, Polygon broke the story and everyone ran with it because the guy's name is, is Gary Bowser. So you've got the CEO of Nintendo, Doug Bowser, is now suing Gary Bowser. It's like both of their names are, are literally on that lawsuit. So it's it's hilarious. Nintendo suing Bowser. Bowser v. Bowser. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it is interesting. I don't like know what to make of this cuz like Don't get me wrong, right? Like what what he's doing is illegal and like I get Nintendo wanting to like protect their business, protect their copyright, like that's, you know, that's their job as a business. You have to do that. Um especially like if you operate in the states. I think a lot of people don't know this copyright law works that way where like you have to defend your copyright or you could risk losing it so like if you don't do anything about this like it could bite you in the butt eventually but like you said why xerox is a generic term along with kleenex right 
Um, and it's it's just funny because, like, it really feels like they're fucking going for the throat. And like, I, I maybe that's the thing that they should do to protect themselves and try to like dissuade this in the future. But like, god damn! All right, Nintendo, like, relax. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and The Verge broke the previous story, which was about him being arrested for um, the the federal charges, and the Justice Department is um, apparently seeking 20 years for uh, wire fraud and, cons- and conspiracy to commit money laundering, along with another five years for other charges. That seems like a lot, but okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like I get it. It's a crime. It's a ser- it's a very serious crime, Nintendo. I'm not I'm not okay, but like you're going to put this man in jail for two decades for hacking 3DSs? Like I don't know. Somebody gets that he's he's got no money whatsoever cuz you've just like got millions off of him. Like, oh my goodness. And like he, this is one of those things, can you imagine like you're in jail. I was like what are you in jail for? It's like, "Ah, yeah. Nintendo came after me." <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean to make light. This is very serious. Like, yes, this man's <laughs> going to jail. But, uh, all right, uh, so let's, let's jump into our main topic this week. Um, we got, of course, another Nintendo Indie World Showcase um, with some bangers, with some real bangers. Um, you think so? Like, I was talking about it, and I was, I was a bit disappointed. I, I think, I don't know, man. I, I feel like these kinds of events... Um, when people walk away disappointed, I, I never, like, you know, if you're disappointed, you're disappointed, right? That's you, that's your genuine emotional reaction. I always f- am, like, surprised, I guess, because I don't go into any of these events expecting every single thing to be for me, right? So if I walk away I from one that, of these... I think, I think for me it was because there's so many games I'm anticipating and I was hoping to see them. Yeah. And it was all new stuff, which is great. And I know that there's some sequels in here that I know you'll probably be very excited about. Um, very. And there's a couple of other games. Like the Annapurna stuff that really cool. I was ha- I was excited to see that. So that, that's kind of my thing, right? Is if I walk away from one of these and there's at least three games that I'm like, I'm interested in this or I want to buy that. I think of it as a successful uh, showcase. And I, I think this achieved that for me. Like between, like I thought um, Road 96 was the game they opened it with. That was the... Um, they... It's like this car driving thing, that procedural road trip. And yeah, they said it's a procedural... You have to pick which route you go. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing is that, like, you can play different kinds of characters and, like, they showed all of these different iterations of the story and it's like, oh, like, I met this person and they were looking for this person, this person, this person. And, you know, they helped me. They hurt me. They did this. They did that. And, like... I don't know. I like that kind of game. I love choose your own adventure type things. I like, you know, where it's like you have um, actions that you can take that have consequences and that deepen the world and, and all that kind of thing. And like it could be shallower than it seems, but it looks pretty deep. And if it is deep in like that, you know, Disco Elysium way or it has that really, really like good replay value like Red Lantern did for me. Um, I think this. Could I think it's be. probably more Red Lantern than Disco Elysium. Probably the trailer, yeah. Um, but that's cool. I'm about it. So that one really caught my attention for sure. Um, and then I think there was a few that like were not really for me, like the Aerial Knights Never Yield thing, like the 
parkour, like 3D runner. Like the art style I thought was really great, but just not a game for me, which is fine. Yeah, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> and uh, I was talking about on stream, I, th I don't think I've ever played a game or have enjoyed a game where the person's name is on the front of it. Like it's such and such is yeah. this game. That's, you know? that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I certainly can't think of one. So fair, fair point. I think. Um, so then we also uh, got both, both of the Annapurna games looked like great to me. Last stop and hindsight, hindsight. I'm so interested about how yes, like you see the and and like you look at something and seemingly it transforms into something else. It's really difficult to explain without you seeing the trailer, but it's like you see a silhouette and it like it seems like a gateway into another area like you're recounting memories yeah and the the way that they like it was saying how they like kind of compound on each other but then you're zoomed back like it, it seems like you're going to be like solving a mystery through memory or yeah. something like that 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 very very interesting to me yeah that was like super appealing i thought um the other one i thought looked good last stop but like it didn't it didn't catch me quite as much no that seemed more like um uh more like kind of a way out style in, in style you know that, that, that game a way out from joseph farris yeah yeah i agree and ollie ollie world looked great i think I, that I've looks interested fantastic i'm yeah super... i've been interested in playing the ollie ollie games but the art style just didn't speak to me the art style on this looks phenomenal and i'm actually really excited to pick it, for picking that one up yeah i play like a little bit of ollie ollie too and I liked it. It was like a PS Plus game at one point or something. And I was like, this is fun. But it was kind of like a thing I played for like a night or two. And then was like, yeah, whatever. Cool. Um, but I I really love the way this looks. I thought like the art style was really sharp. And like the way that they've evolved the, the way that you move through the levels. Like it almost reminded me of like Sonic. Um, that like there's like three or four different paths and it's like all about momentum and the combos and like I don't know it seems really good like that it feels like way up my alley for sure Um, so yeah I'm, I'm that was one of the highlights for me I think I think that's one of the best looking games and then we got to look at the longing um, which I thought was interesting didn't like the look of that game and the fact that the, then the voiceover person said you don't really even have to play the game because it's like 400 days in real time. I was like, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to play that. Yeah, that was my reaction of like, I, it's interesting. Like, it's an interesting game. I think it's a cool pitch, but it just, there was nothing about it that like grabbed me. Like, I, I, I like that it kind of appealed to your emotions of like, you don't even really need to play it. You could just leave it. But like, are you really going to leave him alone? And it's like, like that, I don't know. The idea of it seems way more attractive to me than the reality of what that experience would be like. You know? 100% with you on that one. And it did not speak to me. Uh, then we got to look at There Is No Game, uh, Wrong Dimension, which is apparently an acclaimed point and click. It's a, I've never heard of it, but apparently it's... Really? I haven't heard of it either. Yeah, apparently it's popular. Um, oh. So I don't know. But... Uh, it, it, that one didn't really catch my attention either. Like, I like point and clicks fine, but I don't know something about it. Like, it just if it, it it felt like kind of like one of those like this is a quirky game, and I 
I, I kind of bounce off of that sometimes. Like, I like games that are weird, but I don't love when it's like, this is That's weird. The niche. It's weirdness, yeah. the game. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the, I, I do like the fact that this kind of seems a little bit like a, a WarioWare game, but not quite. I don't know. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna reserve judgment on that one. I uh, yeah. I'm 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 open to it. I'll say, um, because I think the trailer. It's the kind of game that probably doesn't benefit from a trailer a ton either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Then we also got to look at uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge, uh, which is pretty sick. Um, oh, are you into this? <laughs> yeah, I'm really into this because like. Love the TM- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid and everything, um, but those like side scroller beat 'em up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games are like great, and I have such fond memories of them. But they are hard, and they're like you go back to them, and they feel kind of dated. So the idea that we're getting this from Dot uh, Emu, which is the the publisher that did uh, uh, Streets of Rage Four last year, and motherfuckers loved that game, but I don't really care about Streets of Rage like that. Oh, Streets of Rage is great. Oh, I want the Simpsons game. Konami's The Simpsons. I just want that. Yeah, and Bring and, that and I, I know I know you're a big uh, a big fan of that one, and that game's great too. Don't get me wrong, but I I definitely have more nostalgia for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and like the X Men uh, beat 'em ups and stuff, just because they're IP mm-hmm. that spoke to me more. Um, so this I wonder being if in the UK, they'll brand this as Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, like we had to suffer with through. It's early release. I really can't believe that that was a thing. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then and then uh, the developer is actually Tribute Games, which is the team behind Flint Hook, which a lot of people um, responded to pretty well as well. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think this looks great. Like I I love the idea of like let's go back to the well, but do something like that's fresh. You know, like, it's still got the pixel art style. It's still got that, like, Sega Genesis-ass music. But, like, it feels like a modern game. Which That is music is the best. I'll tell you, the Sega Genesis has a great chipset. There's some dope fucking Genesis music. The, the Super Nintendo's better, but the Genesis fucking sound chip is sick. Like, there's... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's something about it. And, like, I know just from a technology perspective, the, the SNES was the best. But I do think the uh, chipset on the Genesis was actually legitimately better, though, for the for the music. It, I think it had more, more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also got um a look at it's called, uh, sorry, Chris Tales, right? Yeah. So we yeah we've seen this one before, and I, oh, I, I we have. Like, I didn't know, recognize it. Yeah, this is just the release date trailer, and there's a demo out. Um, but I I I can't tell you what this game's about. Uh, Every time I see a trailer for it, I'm like, okay. I don't... So here's the thing. I Like I said, I don't remember seeing it before, so that doesn't bode well for what the other trailers looked like and what my impressions were of them, if it was that forgettable. Um, Yeah, so the initial trailer came out, I think it was in February. But I really like this trailer. Um, I thought this looked really good. I'm with you in terms of, like, not fully getting it, but I think the art style is really good. Visually, it looks really cool, but what is the game? 
I mean, to me, like, I don't really know about the story, but the gameplay I thought was interesting. The fact that it is, like, a turn-based RPG and that, like, the main mechanic is, like, time. So, like, one of the examples they gave was, like, oh, like, you could make your enemy younger so that they're easier to kill or you can make them older so they're weaker or whatever, right? And, like, that's cool. Like, that sounds novel. Oh, yeah, I remember that, actually. That was really cool. Um, So, I... This one's on my radar. This this went... this. I'm, I'm interested in this, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then we got to look at uh, Getsu Fumiden Undying Moon, which was like a... a Summer from Konami. I could not believe it. I, I know. Konami. Konami was here. Putting out a fucking game. Look at that. Um, but it, it looked like uh, Castlevania. Something you never want to play. <laughs> Looks... Uh, oh, yeah. I definitely don't want to play it. Um, but it looked a lot like Castlevania. It looked a lot like a Castlevania game, but just not as yeah. good. Uh, then we got to look at Aztec Forgotten Gods. It's a 3D action adventure, beat 'em up kind of thing. It's about a young Aztec woman uh, who has to like fight a bunch of gods, which was a, it. Kind of reminded me of that um, that game that they showed off at this showcase like two years ago, maybe. That was the 2D like action game that was like all, with all the Hindu gods. Where I'm like, I'm interested in that oh, aspect yeah. of it, but the gameplay doesn't look good. Yeah, you know and that sucks because like i love the idea of like a story from like a non-western culture that like i'm not as familiar with i i super love to gravitate towards those types of things because it's just like it just feels fresh you know um but yeah just looking at this i'm like this doesn't look like my kind of game i, I just couldn't get over the fact that they flat out just used the star trek font for the text in between oh my god you're right that's so it, funny it's so weird I it's just literally not... the star trek <laughs> fun what the fuck <laughs> and it just didn't fit the style of the game i was like why have they the star trek fun uh and then we got to look at uh skull the hero slayer from southpaw games which is like uh they called it an action-packed roguelite 2d platformer for the ages um eh. i don't know this is one i feel like you probably need to get on the sticks to like decide how you feel about it but it, it just looks like so many other games that i've played before you know, like it, it just yeah, it, it feels like a greatest like hit. Dude from um Undertale. Is it Sans? Yeah, Sans. It does kind of look like Sans. I can see that. Um Yeah, and again, it doesn't look bad. I feel like if you really fuck with this kind of game and you just want more of it, like I could see that appealing to you, but like I don't know, it just it just feels familiar in a bad way. Um it doesn't feel like unique uh in any stand that way even though the art looks good the music doesn't isn't bad the combat looks fine like it all looks mm-hmm. serviceable but there's nothing about it that like i don't know that like really like caught my attention uh and then they had like a bunch of they had the little kind of like sizzle reel we sizzle got a, reel, yeah. it was like a, a racing driving type game called art of rally great look to it not my kind of game um then there was kiwi which was like it looked like a puzzle game where you're like controlling kiwi birds um which are adorable but i don't know it looked weird it looked weird it's odd an odd one it's hard to make out then they had labyrinth city which is a an adaption of a children's book series called pierre the maze detective and it looks like exactly like a uh like a where's waldo type book yeah it was cool it was it's cool it's like one of those old school very busy hand-drawn books but like Mm -hmm. come to life 
cool style. Um, I want Where's Wally though. That's what I want. That's I want this, but Where's Wally? His name's Waldo. Okay. His name's not Waldo. It is. All right. No. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we had uh, Weaving Tides, which I. It's a puzzle game, I guess. I really couldn't make out what the hell that was about. That was mm-hmm. the one with like the weird like animal monster type things flying around. I don't know. Um, and then there's a House of the Dead remake. Right. Uh, th- this I could not believe they tapped in a fucking sizzle reel. I, I know. Like, what? I felt like with this and Fez, I was like, those are big deals. Like, what the fuck? Huge deals. Like House of the Dead, the fact that <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to point at a screen. Because I have this on the Dreamcast, but I don't have a CRT to use my light right. with. And I'll be able to play this game again. I'm absolutely going to play this again. I love House of the Dead. House of the Dead fucking rules. Uh, and there's a few other ones that really didn't stand out to me. There was uh, Ender Lilies, just like a Metroidvania. It's, I don't know. Nothing about it like really grabbed me. And there was uh, Beasts of Maravilla Island. Um you're you're playing like a wildlife photographer. You're like exploring. There's all these like magic creatures. There's puzzles. Interesting, but I, I feel like I need more of it before I can really like say if I'm interested or not. Did you freak out when the giant spider came on screen? And that's why you don't want it anymore. I mean, it it didn't help. I'll tell you that, Steve. The mm-hmm. the the style of it looks really good. I'll say. Like I like the look of the world. You know, I could see myself getting into it. It's just like, I could also see it being um, not deep enough, necessarily, you know? But I don't know. Uh, Yeah, like, you want something like this to have a story on the level of, like, a Firewatch. Yeah. Or or even, like, and I know you didn't play, but, like, Bug Snacks, like, has a surprisingly Mm -hmm. deep story that threads you through that stuff, and, like... I feel like if it if it has smatterings of that, then I, I I could see myself getting into it. But if it is like just more like oh explore this world and and whatever, like eh, I don't know if that's gonna connect with me as maybe much. Maybe even a story like say something like Oxen Free, Oxen Free Two Lost mm. Signals, insane. I love the original Oxen Free. Was not expecting a sequel. Um, very excited to see that. I need to finish this game. I really do. You do. I'm a star again. You really should. Uh, it's it's a great one. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, so and then of course, obviously, they we also saw Fez, which we said we were going to save the the conversation for till the end. So, do you want to talk a little bit about Fez on Switch? Yeah, I've never played this game. Have you? Me neither. I I really oh want God, to. It's so good. You would love it. It's like a 2D Captain Toad, I think. Okay. With like uh platforming you've got to find these little yellow cube bits to open more doors to continuously progress such a good game and it's it's got so many little treats in there like you open a chest it's like that zelda tune but in like a stylized way really great game i played a bunch of it over on twitch so if you're interested in seeing what this runs like on on uh, Switch, the VOD will be up over there on twitch.tv slash for a couple of weeks, um, so you can definitely go check that out. Uh, it takes a while to get into the groove of things, and, and it very much is a, a perspective-based puzzler. And there might be, say, some vines that you can only climb up, and they're like patch, patchy over a wall, but when you rotate the screen, 
it looks like they're all in line with each other because that's how they would be from that perspective. So you can then climb up the wall. And you might like okay. need to jump and like rotate at the same time. And he'll like stay in the same spot like he's doing bullet time like Neo in the Matrix. Okay. All right. It's really cool. It's really cool. I like um, that. I, I, I love this game so far and I'm looking forward to playing it some more. It kind of feels like a big gap. You know, like it was like one of the like OG like indie. It's the indie darling. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it was like a real like trendsetter in that way. Yeah, it was like this Braid and Super Meat Boy for me. Yeah, were like yeah. the three at the beginning. And you but... did you ever see that documentary they made about those three games, like about indie mm-hmm. games, and it was like a big game documentary on Netflix and stuff. Yeah, isn't Phil, Phil Fish is the guy, right? Isn't he kind of an asshole? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chewie said he thought he was an asshole. On stream, it was like I I love this game. I hate the developer until he started Trump bashing, and then I fell in love with him. So okay, think, yeah. come back around. All right, that's that's yeah. cool then. <laughs> <laughs> cool man. Yeah, maybe I'll check that one out too. I I, I definitely want to want to uh, give it give it a shot. Um, but yeah, I think overall solid solid presentation. Like it it wasn't it was it didn't blow me away. But I walked away with like four or five games I'm I'm interested in checking out or interested in following up on later. So to me, that's the sign of a of a successful event, and I thought it was well paced. Like there's that minute that there's like a minute or two, three in the middle where it was like all the games I didn't like or weren't interested in were like all in a row, and that's all not I had great. To do was bring House of the Dead up. Um, you're doing fine. Or Fez, you know. But um, I feel like they did use their time judiciously. Like there wasn't a lot of time wasted. So I I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a couple of these, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. I, I feel like I, I want more stuff on the calendar. This weird feel, this year feels like weirdly nebulous that like, we don't quite know what there is to look forward to. And like Mass Effect will keep me busy for a couple months for sure. But I am glad that I have more stuff on the radar now to look forward to, you know, mm-hmm. and, and especially some smaller games. Cause I feel like I've really been leaning more on like the AAA stuff for the last year or so. So I would not mind playing some some smaller, more intimate games uh, here and there. Um, so yeah, let us know what you thought. If there were any uh, games that really stood out to you guys, um, you know, you can write in, uh, hit me up at pete at loopots.com, Come join us on the Discord and uh, let us know what you thought about it. Um, or yeah, or write in with what you you know what games you wish you had seen because I know that was a big a big thing for Steve and a lot of other people, right? Hoping to see updates on like a Disco Elysium on like um, what story the hollow Knight sequel sports story right like silk song right um so obviously some really key games that we didn't get to see that i think we're all some of those are too big and you realize that after you're like no it's not gonna be in an indie world when e3's around the corner that's gonna be the one more thing at a regular direct probably right so um but either way yeah if there was a game there that you really wanted to see let us know and and you know uh we'll 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 put we'll keep it in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys for joining us here in another episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, you can show your support by giving us a like, a share, and a subscribe on your platform of choice. Uh, head over to the YouTube channel, give us a sub. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, and if you want to check out some more content from us, of course, hit up the Twitch, twitch.tv slash lootpots, where this week I think we'll be streaming some Emily is Away 3 because I was uh, able to get a code from the game's developer, Mr. Kyle Seeley. Thank you for the code. Um, very much looking forward to checking that out. I love the first two. Um, so we might play that on stream this week if I don't do like a solo thing. Um, yeah, and Pokemon Snap. 
uh, right around the corner as well. So maybe maybe we'll have to do two this week. Um, but check mm-hmm. those out. And then, of course, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash Pots to get a uh, this week's episode of After Dark where we talked about um, cooking. You really can't and- remember the moist maker sandwich, French dip. And, French um, dips, stray cats. Yeah, um, stray cats. All kinds and- of good stuff. And the, the dog. fact that I didn't know what a grill was, and you learned that that we call that's what a broiler is. I mean, there you go, a very eventful one. So check that out for a buck and uh, get access to eighty plus hours of After Dark, where we talk about all kinds of nonsense. Um, so yeah, thank you guys again. We'll catch you next week for another episode of the podcast. Take it easy. <laughs>